Gap and I'm your host Robert Barbaro. If you're new to the show, welcome to this take on the topic of career change and success stories. We're interested in the mindset and decision-making process behind it all. If you've been enjoying our show, please subscribe to our socials to make things easier. They can all be found on our link tree at 9yeargap or head to robertbarbaro.com and click on the podcast page. Feel free to leave any comments or a review on your favorite podcast apps. We're on basically all of them. Spread the word as we have many great guests to come on Nine Year Gap. This week's guest is London-based collage artist Kara R. Bieber. She began her career as a photographer, having her first exhibition at the age of 12. She managed to move into the medium of hand-cut collage. Her amazingly vibrant collages have been featured internationally in galleries, private collections and even department stores. Her flair for design, colours and passion for writing have led to being the founder and editor of Yes Please magazine, accessible on Flipboard and Instagram. This online magazine showcases the latest in trending art, design, innovation, food and fashion and Kara's thoughts on all of it. In today's chat, we'll discuss naming artwork, the importance of music and travel in our lives, and the challenges of networking. Kara is a true creative with an inspiring take on the world, and this is very clear when she said in our interview, just be true to yourself, we're all unique and we're all a one-off. Let's celebrate that. Okay, let's go to the chat now. Hi, Kara. Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And actually, this time, it is afternoon for both of us because we're both in the same part of the world. Yes, that's quite rare for you, actually, isn't it? Lately, it's been rare. Yeah, I've been talking to people in Australia a lot. So uh, this is a nice surprise that our experience right now is the same time of the day. It might change things. I wonder. I might have to do a bit of comparison later and listen back and see what the vibe is when people are talking at different time zones, if that actually changes anything. Probably not, though. That's a cool thought. Mm. And so tell me, what have you been working on at the moment? Gosh, there are a few things. In fact, some different things to what I normally do. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to prepare for an exhibition, actually, of my works, which um, is something I've had in the diary for a long time, but with COVID and everything, you know, that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that, putting together a new body of work, which is very exciting. And also at the same time, I've been exploring a little bit the world of branding for a beer company, actually, that's yet to be launched. But that's been great fun. And yeah, a few various projects here and there. And just trying to work through this strange situation and stay focused and stay creative, really. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk, talk about the focusing. I mean, your work is creative work. So this whole corona time is having all sorts of psychological, mental, emotional effects on people. What's been the impact on you? Yes, well, I found that too very much. I think um, particularly the start of the year, the start of lockdown, I really noticed how I think with the uncertainty and the worry and, you know, just being frightened of people getting ill around me, I I think my creativity sort of went out the window a bit, which actually I was disappointed by because I had hoped maybe actually in this time I might get back to writing mm-hmm. um, because I love to write. And the last time I wrote quite successfully was actually when I was caught up in a war situation in Israel and I suddenly I couldn't stop but write and I always joke that I need another situation like that to to get back that drive to write and I thought well pandemic surely is the perfect time for that. What what were you writing at the time? Well it started actually as just a 
you know, a daily diary, in fact, because I was meant to be photographing at the time and I couldn't really go outside much. So I sort of took to writing and I just wrote my daily experience because it's a, so unusual. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was sirens going off and we had to run to a bomb shelter, but the building in which I was staying didn't have one. So every time I had to go you know, down a couple of flights of stairs where I met all my neighbours. And um, for the first time, and it was just this very extraordinary experience, very real and also very embarrassing at times, you know, about being caught out and the siren sounding and I'm in the shower and I meant to be down the stairs and the whole experience. So it was, yes, an unusual situation. <laughs> I, I have to ask, I mean, so you're in the shower and the siren goes off and what, are you running to a bob shelter in your towel? Well, yes, I well, I had to run to down these very slippery stairs in my towel to see my neighbours. But I'm I'm ashamed to admit this, but this is real life, and I wrote about this. That mm-hmm. there was a moment the siren was going off, and I you know got in my towel and I looked down and thought, oh, should I put my slippers on or my flip flops? I literally wasted <laughs> these seconds thinking I didn't know which to do, and it's just you know this writing very much included all these experiences that you know you don't really read about you know it's not I didn't write from a political stance it was just someone who's you know come from a very cozy place caught up in this mayhem well you know they do (laughs) say there are two types of people slipper people and flip-flop people so I mean you know it could be political if you uh, want to go that direction I'm sure I still don't know which one I am that's the problem I don't know either Although I, I, I've been told I can't. In Australia, everyone wears flip-flops or thongs, we call them. I know in America, thong means Ooh. something else. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I came to Europe and I noticed that men weren't really wearing flip-flops. And in the UK, you don't wear flip-flops out in public in the same way that you would in Australia. It has a completely different vibe. So that... You know, you would never think that that would be something that was interesting to discuss. But I have to say, the way people deal with flip-flops around the world does vary. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a documentary in that. I like that. Let's get to it. We can discuss that later. So, you started writing then. What time frame are we? What year is this? 2014, approximately. Okay. And I really, the reason I mentioned is because it was this, you know, crazy unexpected experience and I thought during the pandemic I had hoped to re you know to Channel get that. back into that mm. space. Yeah and it's it didn't go as planned in that way um which is a shame. But can you tell me what ha- I mean what happened to you then? Um during the when I was there in Tel Aviv. No, no, know? in this pandemic time. I mean you you said you wanted to behave a different way. What what was the effect on you? You know what so I actually ended up being three months in Sussex in the middle of nowhere with my parents and younger brother, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, at the start, we sort of took each day at a time. And we, you know, I'm one of my greatest passions is food. So I really, you know, had a chance to really explore that. And that, you know, I find that hugely creative. Yeah, me too. And, um, and, yeah, we did all sorts of creative things. Even as a family, it was quite interesting. We made this sort of game in a way that every day one of us had taken in turns to present to each other um, a musician. And so it was really interesting. We sort of now have, you know, huge bank of musicians that we've introduced to each other. And, you know, that was very inspiring, I found, because I you know, very much, um, like you, <laughs> you know, my 
life is also very musical. Do you play yourself? I do. I play the piano. And um, more recently, I play the ukulele, which oh, me actually too. is my this is a greatest cute companion. Do you? Yeah, I mean, I've been oh, trying, you know, that. because I play guitar and uh, chords, basically, really. And uh, I thought, why don't we just try the uke? Because it's so portable and <laughs> it has this cuteness to yes. it. Uh, it's quite an interesting instrument. You can really create a lot with it. Sounds like holiday, I always think. Mm. And I... If ever I have like a you know moment of ah oh, I need a break from my work or something I just pick it up and it sort of clears the air and then I can start over again which is great I love that you play it too. do you have also have a very colourful one uh, it is oh it's a really cheap one it's like a mine to you <laughs> I think it's is it pink I don't even know now because it, it's been so many weeks since I I never really looked at it it, it is a colourful one but it's I think it's just a sort of beigey pink one it was a gift Ooh. i think i think um it it belonged to either my niece or <laughs> i don't know how we have it in the room there but it, it does have a color to it can i tell you about ukuleles though when i was performing in seattle years ago now and they have this amazing music shop there that has a whole room of ukuleles it has a room of banjos and Ooh. and um harps this sort of american southern harp and so many ukes and a bass uke is the most sexy oh, instrument oh you you plug it in and the strings are fat like a vinyl strings and you plug oh. it into an amp and the real it's got a real punch to it it's, it's it's got a bit of beef for such a small instrument so if you ever get a chance to hear a bass ukulele it's really worth it do you know i never knew that that's really interesting. Yeah, it's worth a Google. So you, you're introducing, uh, who, name one musician that you learnt in this game. Oh, oh, um, oh my gosh, I just, oh yes, um, is he called J.J. Kale? Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, he's guitarist, that's right. And he's the one actually my mum presented to us. Mm-hmm. And he's so fabulous. Just a lot of different music. It's a big part of my being i think actually Mm -hmm. it's the good thing about streaming isn't it that you can learn so many new artists i was recently doing some study and i i was getting into a lot of synthesizer synth wave music and new wave music and uh, i love prog rock so you know i let the streaming devices sort of send me in in different directions and it's really good because then you you just discover so many new artists. Oh, I love the sound of that. Yeah, I don't, I haven't really vented off to many different genres, actually, but I should do that. I only just recently discovered, is it trap music or realized that it has a name, a genre of its own? Oh, yeah, trap music. What? What's that all about? It's, it's uh, fun. It's sort of a bit dancey, beachy, oh, yeah. really rather great. Drum machines, that kind of stuff, yeah. I'm seeing here that uh, the parent genre is Kenyan hip-hop. So there you go. That's interesting. Well, that's going to take me to a different direction. I'll I'll try trap music. I'll give it a go. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. I love how varied you are from being an opera singer and how that's been such a focus of yours and how... (laughs) That's very kind. I mean, the opera world probably doesn't expect you to like many genres of music. I mean, a lot of the singers that you meet, a lot of them like musicals uh, as well and they like pop music. But... um, I don't know that they're, they're not uh, in my experience listening to the most weird music they tend to focus on what they're preparing whereas you know it, there's just too much there there's too many colors I mean you work in colors so I can explain it that way there's just too many 
colors available music wise why would you want to be blind about it you know so you're writing but i'm trying to get the audience to to have the context of so you are what we call a collage artist and you're working on pieces yeah can you tell us how you even got into that right so it actually happened around that time about around 2014 Mm -hmm. when i returned from this extraordinary trip and I was putting together a photographic exhibition. And I just literally just came about one day. I sort of needed to procrastinate. I needed to just do something different. Mm-hmm. And I was in my kitchen and I saw a very colorful magazine on the side. And I went to, to the kitchen drawer and okay. got some kitchen scissors out and literally just cut it up. I they remade um, the magazine into a single image. Okay. And then I sort of just put it on Facebook. I was quite active on Facebook in those days. Yeah. And I got such a great response and it really excited me because I so enjoyed doing it. And so it just so happened that I then produced another and then another and another. And I very fast had a huge body of work. And so I sort of fell into, I didn't even really know about collage before. And I was going to have this other photographic exhibition and I was in talks with the lady about it and of the gallery. And then I said, oh, do you want to see actually what I have been playing around with? And she saw my collage and immediately said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we've got to exhibit those. So it completely changed direction. And I haven't really looked back, actually. It's sort of very much I went from being a photographer to being a collage artist. Um, and so that was your, your, your bread and butter. You were doing what artistic photography? Were you doing it for any other types of photography? I've actually always been a photographer. So literally since the age of three, I had a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, as my mother is an incredible photographer and she's exhibited a huge amount and is yeah, very respected in that field. So I have always been it's always been a part of me. I actually exhibited from the age of 12. So I had wow. quite a full-on <laughs> few years after that. And so it just sort of, yeah, that was my path, I guess. And it was sort of, in a way, decided for me. You know, I was, even, I was so young, I don't even particularly really remember anything other than that. Mm-hmm. And I still adore photography so much. And I take pictures all the time, but just not commercially i'd say mm-hmm. even though i'd be very happy and open probably to pick that up again yeah but i do find collage that extra bit i just just it's in a way i find it more fun because i really can almost be a designer be a stylist be a director you know all these things is i have full control over this one image and just can really go for it and have fun with it mm. you know whereas normally you know you'd have I had an assistant, stylist, you know, all these people who occupy these other roles. But I just sort of go alone and I very much enjoy that. It's interesting. Uh, There's a piece of work that you've got that has these huge stairs that go from the hill or the rocky mountain. Uh, And they, they, they cascade down into this beautiful sea. I don't know if it's Mediterranean or something. The, the blue is so beautiful color, light blue that just pops out. But when I saw that, uh, I immediately thought of a set on theater. Oh. There's so much applicability. Applicability? Application. I'm not sure which way is the <laughs> best way to go there. It seems that this, this art form can be used in 
other ways than than just displaying it on the wall. Do do you find that at all? Yes, I'm very happy actually that you say that because yes, this is a thing. You know, it starts off with an image. You know, handmade piece together and usually a four format. Mm-hmm. But I then get them scanned at super high resolution and blow them up any size and from that they can be printed onto anything you know be any size as i said and they lend themselves to all sorts of things there's so much scope and i really you know would love to explore actually their full potential because i mean so far i i, I have printed the largest so far has been um three meters but you know seeing how the quality remained the same i you know i want to go you know very much you want to go bigger don't you <laughs> where was yes. that where was the three meter piece displayed <laughs> this was in clerkenwell in this um very luxury sort of department store which sadly doesn't exist anymore mm. um in fact i I had a month-long room there of my work and sort of window and everything. And it was a fantastic time. We had sort of big opening events and everything. And they commissioned this piece. And um, what was rather fun is that there was one of my images where, you know, I made it on a small scale, as I said, but seeing it so big, it was very curious how it really appealed to you know people, who little four-year-olds who came mm. in. They, there was a level at the bottom where for them, it was a full image already. And then those who get bigger and taller appreciate other parts of the image. And I found that very thrilling because, you know, I saw my work in a whole new light. And yeah, I, I sort of create the base thing and then, you know, it can go very far with it. I just, I need to fully explore its potential. Mm, I um, mean, size matters. When you see a giant Pollock or you see, um, in Australia, there's a lot of incredible uh, Aboriginal artists and I remember that the name escapes me because I'm not sure whether the gallery that I was, the exhibition I saw featured one artist or a few, but there's these giant paintings that they have, that have been made with one single stroke and the way that there's a technique they do it, they fold the canvas in such a way or the sheet that they're painting on and they just keep making their way and they keep unfolding it. And then the final result is this enormous painting and it really, really hits you. It's something that, you know, size can really change the feel of, of the piece and, and make you feel more insignificant uh, it's, <laughs> and get lost in the artwork, which is, again, with your work, yes. you can get lost in it because there's so much going on. It's mm. Yes, I like how you say that. And yeah, the you know, more time spent with it and the larger the size, you really discover all the that sort of little hidden elements. I've mm. had some fun sort of hiding things here and there. Funnily enough, actually, I have some great friends who are quite a wild and fabulous couple. And they okay. they have my um, um, PDF of my work. So mm-hmm. they um, told me that they were one evening looking through my artworks on psychedelics. They had taken some psychedelics and they were saying, oh my gosh, we were seeing this and that and the other. And, and I was saying, guys, do you realize, like, I just put all that in you know, sober on a Monday afternoon or whatever. <laughs> and it's interesting how everyone comes away with a different impression, I guess. You know, there are little hidden things. And, may, you know, I, I'm aware they're there, but maybe, you know, <laughs> it takes a bit more for people to realize that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's like when da- David Bowie used to talk about his lyric writing and he would put a whole lot of different words on the table, random words, 
and then just assemble them so that the result is, you know, what seems like crazy mad lyrics. Like, wow, that's so out there. But he's like, well, yeah, but that's the result of randomness, literally randomness. And, and that's, you know, you don't know what the effect will be on other people. So they have a whole story or a complete connection. And because you haven't spent the time trying to aim at a particular interpretation, then more people are welcome to it. I think that's very clever. What If you're saying that, you know, some things are accidental, well, so be it. Yeah, I really enjoy that action. You just reminded me of something I'd forgotten about. I need to dig it out. But I made some artwork from going through. I, there was a time when I lived with my three siblings and I went through our shredding machine and pieced together. I sort of made essentially poems out of the things, you know, the, the elements of the sh- these shredded letters. And it was super random. I mean, unbelievably random, but really fun. You know, you, I could, wouldn't have been able to achieve that had I not done it at random. You know. Wow. So you were doing it. You, you were collaging with words before you knew it. Before yeah. you actually were. T- there you go. Yeah. It actually I entitled it, um, "Dear Mr. Bieber," because my last name, as you know, is Bieber, and mm-hmm. it was this whole joke about Justin Bieber. You know, my brothers receive all this post, and it was all a bit. It was a bit out there, but but something actually I'd like to ex- explore again because it was very freeing and fun. So did I read that Bieber? It means black pepper. Is that right? Yes, you're good. And I well, no, Bieber actually means pepper. Oh, pepper Cara okay. means black. <laughs> but my first name means black in Turkish. So literally in Turkish, I'm black pepper. Yeah, black pepper. Okay. And I only discovered that you know on holiday. In Turkey a few years ago, which is so funny. It's a good thing to be black pepper because pretty much every dish needs seasoning. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. And weirdly, I even before I discovered that, I everyone who ate me always commented how much black pepper I use. You know, quite alarmed. I think how I really enjoy it as a condiment. Then <laughs> <laughs> never I found a reason for it. Well, you know, you can do a lot with it. Tell me about the pathway from realizing that you can do more gallery type work exhibitions with collage and to turning it into, you know, a a commercial venture. I think my ideal actually is to be doing both, Mm -hmm. which I which I tend to do. So a lot of the opportunities do come from, you know, being having exhibitions as well. And it's sort of, you know, I'm still on this um, adventure, really, because it, you know, as I said, it wasn't something, you know, I planned or even, you know, went to school for and studied. So I'm figuring it out really as I go along. Mm -hmm. But it's been a great time having exhibitions. And then, you know, things come from that and people, you know, want to commission or or say I sell a lot, you know, just to private collectors and also maybe, you know, an auction here and there. So it's all a bit trial and error in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just glad that people find it uplifting and colourful and it's, it sort of does appeal to in the sense that the work, you know, when people see it they and they if they like it, they usually, you know, would like to um, live with it and mm-hmm. you know, buy it. Can I ask you something about collaging as a, uh, I mean, uh, the, the lawyer in me, are there any issues of copyright when it comes to, I mean, you're reworking something, so there shouldn't be, it's an original work that you're coming up with, but you're using images owned by, you know, I imagine big magazines like Vogue or whatever. So how does that work? Is, that, is there any, any risk in what you do? Is there, do you ever have to pay 
some sort of commission to anyone else? So far, no. My father's also a lawyer, so that's quite helpful. That's helpful. Um, <laughs> so, no, so far, no. And I mean, as you say, the images are so reworked, and, yeah, yeah. you know, usually from old publications as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, it is the purpose of art so far. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because no, I had to ask because I thought it's really interesting. It, the reason I ask is because people listening can go, well, oh, maybe I can't touch this certain medium or whatever it is that they're doing because they think there might be a restriction. Now, obviously, people can't be stupid. They have to find what their limitations are and what they're entitled to do. But it just is encouraging to know that if you've got a good idea, you can go for it and, uh, you know, you have more flexibility than you think. I mean, people can do with that as they will. Yeah, very much. You know, I've never in all these years encountered um, a problem at all. And, you know, if there happened to be, I would, you know, want, I would sort it out. <laughs> mm. um, but no, so far it's not been any issues. You're good with words, um, you can tell, because your titles of your pieces are really interesting. I mean, ha- how do you do that if for instance i give you some examples we've got to sleep a chance to dream obviously that's shakespeare <laughs> obviously that's that's uh, oh, hang yeah. on that's hamlet isn't it yeah but like when in romance and uh, what have we got uh, turning up the turn down service and all these like <laughs> h- how do you come up with a name because it's really useful for me to know um, i'm always titling my episodes and uh, yeah any tips well gosh i'm very flattered and i'm very i'm really happy that you noticed that because yes i i adore words and playing with words so much and i i do know it's funny it's one of these things that just sort of comes to me just i just naturally i i think they with when in romance and turning up the turndown service i was particularly thrilled with this mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. it just sort of came to me and you know it's quite a a quick sort of reaction, I guess. I but always um, the title comes after I after the image. Okay. Um, the only one that didn't was the I don't want to be famous collage. I mm-hmm. started with that in my mind. It was for an exhibition, and then I made the image. But that's the only time that's happened. Oh, I suppose the nine year gap one too. Yes, exactly. Thanks for that. It's so cool to have a collage. Oh, that's a pleasure. Yeah, really. That's something special. I mean, the audience will have seen that in uh, the lead up to this episode, just to give a taste of of the work that Kara does. In terms of the journey, you you realise you want to keep doing both, and and, and uh, galleries are important for getting your work out there. Commissions. What's the future then with this enterprise? Well, I would love to sort of go in deeper I think to branding and collaborations with brands okay. I very much see you know there's a whole world out there and I I would love to do that and you know this it's extraordinary because a lot of the major brands are seem to be working with collage artists although mm-hmm. I so far I think I think they will be digital artists but I, I yeah I'd love to explore that and also you know where the the images can be translated onto anything, you know, it could be a fabric, it, you know, it could be a, a line of tableware or something. I, it really, I want to explore all the avenues. Definitely, because... t- definitely um, tea towels. <laughs> yeah. I hope that doesn't <laughs> downplay thing. the thing, but I mean, I, I would love one of your pieces I... on a tea towel. <laughs> but in your most special dishes, I hope. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I did actually make a bag once and it was um, very much requested. And I, I, the people who made it sort of they ended up disappearing and I, I never made any of them. I had one, but it was quite highly requested. And it's sort of always been in the back of my mind that I actually should do maybe a line of that, you know, just like those, a tote bag. But mm-hmm, with tote bags, yeah. I saw that um, I, I bought my mum a, when I was, I was doing an audition in Bonn, I think it was, Bonn in Germany, and they, they had these bags of Marilyn Monroe and they were different prints. They were in the style of the um, – uh, who am I thinking of? The, uh, oh, my goodness. Andy Warhol. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's what I meant. <laughs> you know, we've got people smashing their glasses against the, the, uh, <laughs> against the wall now. Uh, Andy Warhol style uh, in that image of the Marilyn Monroe and then reprinted on, on, a, on a sort of plasticky vinyl um, – type tote bag and they're all different colors and it was just something that really stood out and i thought well people need tote bags because for shopping and you don't want to have so many bags all the time so that sounds like you know you should revamp that one i'm sure there'll be sellers i think so and you know we're being trying to be mindful and sustainable and yeah i think that i i should definitely revisit that and just collaborations in general, actually, and I think mm. particularly in current climate, you know, the, that's most welcome for everybody, really, that um, connection. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and also video. Do, is that something that can happen with your work? You could turn that into uh, yes. some sort of… Interesting you say. Yes, I do actually have hopes to animate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was meant to work as an animator a long time ago, and unfortunately that uh, didn't come to fruition. But I you know, on a very basic scale, I've had fun doing that on Instagram at some point. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing that you could be videos, animation. I do. I mean, I can't reveal it now, but I do have ideas actually for mm-hmm. an exhibit that would very much involve that, which would be the most playful yet. Oh, um, cool. Which hopefully at some point will happen. Yeah. Obviously, after COVID, are you feeling optimistic about people's desire to go and to see installation art and exhibitions and all sorts of... I mean, I'm I'm just dying to go to a gallery uh, and uh, museums. Oh, yeah. That's what I miss. I'm a musician. I should say I miss live uh, live theatre more. But, <laughs> but actually, I, I miss galleries more than anything because you feel you see the artists work. It's right right there. You know that the artist physically, their hand was touching the work that you're looking at. That's something that excites me. Yeah. You know, what do you feel about digital versus real life? Are you hopeful? I am. Yes, I think. I think we'll always have both, but I think now more than ever, we want that real life and whatever it is, we we want to be up close with it. Mm. And yeah, I think that's very important and very, I mean, really wonderful that it, you know, can be digital. We can enjoy, you know, all sorts of culture from our homes and, you know, online. But I think as much as we can, you know, much that's available out there, I think it's very important to keep that going. And it will be, I mean, it's a very interesting time to see how people are, you know, trying to be flexible around this time and mm-hmm. um, innovative. I think we've not seen anything yet, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think, you know, change and challenge and it's, you know, good often comes from it and, and in unexpected ways, which is exciting. And it pushes us all, I think, to think differently and to come at things from a different perspective, which I'm, I'm all for. How's the relationship with 
you ha- you have an agent, I imagine, or you you approach galleries individually. Yes. So currently, it's all on my own, really. I I I think um, an agent could be beneficial, mm-hmm. but so far, um, yeah, it's just come from you know really sort of being out and about. I think you know just my major um, exhibitions have come from being in a place and, you know, chatting with the right person without even knowing, in fact, and then exchanging conversation ideas and, you know, ask what you do, et cetera, et cetera, and then they see my work and it happened like that. Um, I mean, what do you like in a in a, in a a gallery opening? Are you the, the person with the champagne bottle that works the room or how do you approach <laughs> all that? No, I'm not. I, this is the thing. I need an agent because that side of it isn't particularly... I, I I like being on this podcast. I'm unfamiliar with that. You know, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, this is a lovely, wonderful experience with you. But I, you know, this is a conversation, and I very much enjoy that. But I, I'm unfortunately, I, I wish I, I I'm not that good at being that person to sort of go and network and this and that. It I like when it happens organically. You know, you just chat and then things come from that have you had someone that um, like a mentor or like do do you sometimes obviously before covid travel to events with someone a friend or whatever it is uh, a colleague or another artist or anyone who has helped you make those connections with people or you know make introductions or just simply accidentally push you into a circle of you know um, (laughs) potential funders and whatever yeah interestingly the people who come to mind are our family, actually, and and my brother and sister. You know, I could be in a, at an event with them or whatever it is, and they very much, you know, all for my work and you know want to tell everyone about it. And they have my work on their phones and have been known to show people my work. And you know, I've been very lucky with that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think um, yeah, it happens. You know, and just by emailing, you know, if I want to collaborate with someone or here and there, you know, I can just make contact and then see how things go from there. I, I unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not pushy. I say unfortunately because I think that that's I need to be more possibly. I think people who have, mm. you know, been more success are, are very good in that way. And what about what about digitally? What about what you know with posts? Because what you're talking about is something that can often uh, stifle careers because you don't want to come across. Obviously, it's in your nature. You you're not arrogant. You're not. You don't want to be making people uncomfortable. So that's why you're probably. I I, I have this theory. That is why people are hesitant to do too much networking. Would that be the case with you? Yeah, I, I'm afraid I, I struggle even with the word networking. You know, I I think also. I, just have been lucky to be in some, you know, wonderful places and with wonderful people at mm-hmm. different times. And it, I think, for me, it, it just really is comes from a chat. It really does, and it's you know natural. People ask what you do, and then it it just really goes from there. And for me, that's the ideal, and that's what I enjoy and and proud of. I I, I think for the rest i think definitely i sh- would benefit from an agent mm, um, interesting yeah very much so because i as much as i you know want and ben- would benefit from all that that you're saying i i don't know i'm don't want to really change like to become someone different to mm. achieve that i'd rather outsource yeah exactly <laughs> well i think that i mean that's very that's very normal that's that's a good a strategy to have 
because not everyone has got that uh, gift. And then uh, as an artist myself, you know, you may see people that are succeeding and you'll go, really, the quality of their work isn't superior. However, they know they just push and they get in people's face. And, you know, I don't know whether that's the rule or the exception, but I do know that, yeah, we can't change who we are. Uh, So that's a good strategy to have if we we know what our strengths are and then what we can outsource. So that's one thing to that people uh, listening might uh, think is what they need to do rather than yeah. going, I, I'm not this kind of person, I, I'm, it's not me, I can't do it. Well, then no one's going to know about this, this great work that you've got to show. Yeah. So, But what, what I am gathering is that if you are confident in your work and your knowledge and you are generally enjoying, you know, passionate about the subject matter, that will come across in the conversation. Is that something that you lean on? I think so. Yeah, I really, I, I very much, I like what I've made and I, I'm very proud of them. And yeah. I, yeah, and I, I enjoy, you know, showing people my work and, and seeing their reactions as well. But I, I want it to be a good fit. I don't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to push somebody into, you know, a commission or an exhibition or something. I, I'd be lucky to work with people who've equally been as passionate about my work. And that's, mm-hmm. I think if they're not, or if it's, a struggle I think well maybe that's not a good fit and the end result of an exhibition or something it's not going to be as good as somebody who's you know equally interested in this collaboration yeah that sounds um, right yeah and then <laughs> and that way you've you get the whole organic vibe and everyone's on board and so that there's no yes. there's no holes in the boat uh, so to speak yeah oh well that's uh, that's a very good way of uh, looking at it and yeah because visual art is as much about the connections and communications as it is about the work itself. Do do you think that being a freelance, is that something that you like lifestyle-wise? Is it something that you want to hold on to? Or, you know, could you be going in the direction of a head of branding for a, a big, I don't know, couture company or whatever, some even a product company? Is that something that you can see yourself doing, uh, like a full-time position? No, unfortunately not really. I mean, I would... I would like to say yes, and um, but I, I do know I really am a creative through and through, and very much also I do struggle with being freelance, and it's a challenge. But I think I'd have to find a happy medium. I don't. I think if I were very much full time somewhere, I I don't know how I'd be able to explore and experience the creativity, you know, the that part of life that I need, and I and practice mm-hmm. every day so i mean i don't want to say no or never but i no 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 potential employers out there she hasn't <laughs> said no but she's we're just touching we're just touching on the personality of this all because uh, it, it's very useful yes, to know i yeah currently not no but uh, not right now but we'll see i do as this year has taught us you know who knows anything <laughs> um, i'm i'm <laughs> you know, open to all sorts of things. But I mean, after all, you, you are the head of Yes, Please. Is it Yes, Please or Yes, Please Magazine? Yes, Please Magazine. Oh, it's good. It's got, it's got that Oliver vibe. You want some more? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Please. Yes. I did, this is one of those funny things. I decided on the name actually within two minutes, I think, because I literally I have this magazine board, I call it, and I suddenly thought it's everything I want to say Yes, Please to. I just, you know, archive all my favourite things. And yes, please. <laughs> okay, mm. done and dusted. Yeah, that's that's the best way. To, I mean, nine year gap. That that name came very quickly as well. It's it's funny how um, speed 
you know, instant ideas, they seem to, they have that electricity about them, don't they? They do. I really like the name Nine Year Gap. I mean, it, it rolls off the tongue so well as well. And I, yeah, I think it's interesting when, it's like, that's like I would say, gut instinct. It's like, yes, you don't think any more of it. Yeah, no, well, we'll make sure that uh, we get uh, get all the links up for people to see um, what your your works are because, you know, it's a feast for the eyes. Colours and make sure brightness is up on the screens yeah. that you're looking at. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's re- really um, a special art form and I hope that it leads to a lot more exposure in, in coming times. And Thank you. Maybe uh, an agent out there is checking this out and going, actually, this this girl needs representation because they talk about networking and connection. And I always think it's all very easy for people to say, you've got to be good at networking. But I think it's really about having a good team of people that will you know, be the tentacles to your persona, to your product, you know, which which we are all, in a way, we're all a product. Um, it's a very, it's too generalistic to say, oh, just, just work on your networking. Oh, what does that actually mean? I think it helps to just isolate which bits need outsourcing and which bits are, are natural to us and try and find the situation that puts us in, in a good light. Absolutely. Easier said than done, eh? Maybe 100%, you're totally right. And I think to, yeah, really focus on the areas that we're strongest in and yeah we didn't want the you know standards to fall and quality to you know fall because we're trying too many things of our skill sets so yes mm, mm. hello all the agents out there. <laughs> uh, hello yes uh please uh, you know who to call um I think that's been uh, really, really interesting hearing your story. There's so much more to your story, I know, but uh, I think that uh, maybe in future we can put some more information up here and there. Um, But I I felt that I am really encouraged by how you've managed to make, you know, something of, of... of this new medium of, of, of art form that you, you know, coming from photography, moving to collage, it seems like a natural progression. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, that's, that's, that's encouraging. Thank you very much. Are you ready to have a little bit of fun on the yeah, show? Yeah, more fun than I've been having. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, we can, we can always pump up the fun. Uh, we have the nine-year gap quiz. <laughs> All right, we'll give the audience a little bit more info into how Kara ticks. Are, are you ready? Bring it on, yes. Okay, so what is your favourite childhood breakfast cereal? Well, I, I will go with Cinnamon Grahams. I just adore those. Um, oh, my wife loves those. Mm. Really? Oh, good taste. I haven't eaten them for years and actually shouldn't really think about them because... <laughs> It's a slippery slope from here, but they were so good. Mm-mm. And what would you be eating these days for breakfast? Do you have breakfast? Gosh, yes. Do you know, I've never gone a day without it. I I have them at the moment, um, Bersha Musili, mm-hmm. and I rotate between different fruits. So it, it could be either banana, apple compote, frozen raspberries, blueberries, or cherries. Mm. I put that on top. And then I have um, loads of tahini and cardamom, um, nutmeg, cinnamon, and maca powder. And it's 
They're good. Wow, they're getting a very Middle Eastern vibe there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a bit spicy. My, my grand- what do you have? Well, I was just saying about tahini. You know, my grandfather was a Greek Cypriot, my, my maternal grandfather, Ooh. and so he always had a jar of tahini in, on, on the table. He just put it on everything, you know, oh. to fix his... Uh, Fixes all problems, Tahini. It does. Um, yeah, what do I have? I mean, I, I try not to have carb, but now I'm, I'm I'm off the sugar. So what I do is I have a muesli with milk, with a bit of fruit and peanut butter. Peanut butter is the glue to any breakfast I have. Yeah. But sometimes I might have like the brownest bread I can find and egg on toast or avocado on toast. But I, I really love a bruschetta. If I can do that, that's always nice. We get some buffalo and some lovely tomatoes and some, I like to use Greek olive oil and um, a nice bit of uh, uh, Cypriot salt, black salt or some pink salt. As long as the salt has a colour, I'm happy. And uh, yeah, and, and then it's, it's nice. We've got some basil growing at the back. So it's, it's always nice. Oh, that sounds delicious. Oh, yes. Well, one, you know, part of the dream is to also have a cafe one day. But as you said earlier, you can't do too many things in one hit because then the, the, nothing will be at a high quality. <laughs> Tell me, if you if you could meet any of your uh, most uh, inspirational historical figures, um, who would that be? And if you met them, what would you ask them? Ooh, um, I think... Currently, I've been thinking of her a lot. I think Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. I just, gosh, I don't know. What wouldn't I ask her? I think I think she's remarkable and, and fearless. And I would just love to chat with her about Mexico and dancing and music and, of course, painting and everything. And just how even just how she puts her outfit, put her outfit together and mm-hmm. everything. I I think she's an extraordinary character and I actually my favorite film ever I think is a Frida Kahlo film with Salma Hayek mm. Did, have you seen that I've seen yeah I actually have seen it yeah it's it's actually pretty it's, I don't want to say sad it's very uncomfortable in many parts yes mm. it's yeah interesting look it is and also just just a feast really I think the music in that I mm. adore. It. Yeah, it's a stunning piece. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, as a, as a piece of art that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know you're a foodie. What is your guilty pleasure food and or drink? I think it's got to be chocolate. <laughs> um, I have this uh, 100% chocolate Ooh. that I have every day. I was about to say all day, every day. <laughs> I have all day. Where's it from? Day. Tell me, because um, I, I I love uh, 99% chocolate. Oh. Oh, well, this, you'll never look back. It's Montezuma. And it's actually, funny enough, a Sussex brand. Okay. And it's amazing. I think I can say that I single-handedly probably kept them going throughout the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did my bit. They are, it's fantastic. Is it Venezuelan or is it, uh, I mean, what, Indonesian? Where's, do, do you know, like, the source? Ooh, I, no, I don't actually do you know, I have an awful feeling it actually doesn't say on the package, which it should, shouldn't it? I um, I do know, but it's very dark and very good indeed. Oh, yes. You know, there's something about uh, a lot of people can't handle dark chocolate, but the darker you go and the less sugar you have in your diet, then you, you get these flavors from chocolate that it, it just, it's pretty hard to, to not consider chocolate as the greatest sort of sweet I suppose when you're having 100%, it's no longer a dessert. It's something else, isn't it? It's its own category. Yeah, 
It is, although I think after eaten, having eaten so much of it, I feel like it, I don't think it's bitter. Mm-hmm. I think I almost associate it with my sweet bit of the day. Mm. It takes practice. Do you ever cook? Do you ever cook with it? <laughs> um, great question. No, not yet. Actually, I should find out. My mother makes um, chocolates. Absolutely incredible ones. But no, I, I think that I, I will leave that to her. But it's, yeah, I know people sort of grate it on all sorts yeah, of I, things. Yeah, I grate it on like a mushroom mushroom risotto. If you, you grate a bit of 100% on that, it brings out this nuttier, oh. earthier vibe. I mean, a lot of people are getting into the cocoa nibs now, but I, I find that oh, yeah. the preparation of the cocoa nib, it, you need like really, really good, high-quality cocoa nib. Whereas I think yeah. if it has a little bit of processing in a 100% bar, you can do more with it. That's just my thing. You think- inspired me to use it on mushrooms i think that's genius oh well it's not my idea i stole it from a guy named uh what's his name um um willie's wonky chocolate factory there was a tv show another british guy and uh, willie's chocolate i think it is so uh, look at all these shout outs look at these potential sponsors for the show uh come on i'm doing you guys a favor here okay we've got some quick questions which i think the first one you've already answered so one word answer here chocolate vanilla strawberry or matcha chocolate fair enough and pizza uh can that feature pineapple Robert, you and I met in Italy. No, <laughs> absolutely Brava, not. Brava, that's very good. Well said. <laughs> well said. That has been quite a quite a divisive question so far. Have you ever embellished on a CV? No, not no. I have not. Um, I haven't thought about that actually. So that's not put ideas in my head. <laughs> That's okay. No one's no one's listening. I mean, wait, they are listening. <laughs> I hope they're listening. <laughs> what is your favourite animal? Oh, it has to be a donkey. I, I used to have some. Oh. <laughs> then, yes, really. Oh, yeah. They're very Lovely, cute. Beautiful. They don't get enough airtime. A lot of people, I mean, Pinocchio did a good thing on donkeys, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they are quite the animal, aren't they? Uh, our family, there's a family photo of my, my dad's family. He's from uh, southern Italy, right right in the bottom, in a village called Motticella. And there's a family photo of them, of his mum and her family, and they have the family donkey with them. Or it might be the mu- a mule, but he's like the the donkey's in the photo. It's like this is our pet. This is our. He's like one of us, you know. Uh, so I always had this affection uh, for donkeys ever since I saw that photo as a as a boy. Mm. Oh, I love it. I'll have to send you the photo. It almost looks like a collage, actually. So I'll, I'll try and track it down for you, and you can you can uh, have a, have a look at it. Um, if if you could do any job in the world for one day, what would it be? Okay, I think a salsa dancer. <laughs> okay. You're the third person to say I, that, to say dancer. Mm. Really? Mm. I have a salsa. I adore salsa and I do it every week or then I, because of this year, it's, it's not happening at the moment. But yeah, I think why not? It's one day. <laughs> Maybe you'd be dancing with the stars once, uh, you know, that big break comes, that, <laughs> the, the big gallery opening and they, they, they ask you to do that. You'll get my vote. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Are you watching anything at the moment? Any TV shows or anything that you can suggest that's really, really got a hold of you at the moment? So it's not what I usually watch, just putting it out there. <laughs> um, but I, I actually normally watch documentaries, but I am really suddenly loving Shit's Creek. Oh, how good is Shit's Creek? Oh, we just got, my, my <laughs> wife and I just, honey, we just got through it. I was crying through a lot of it. I can't, the, the, Character development, isn't it incredible? Oh, 
it's amazing. I yep, character development totally. Um, that's it. I find it just amazing and so funny and inspiring as well, and such an interesting premise. I. I really love yeah. it, and I don't know why I've been watching documentaries my whole life. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, no, it's well. I mean, this show had that documentary vibe. It had that sort of realistic. This is a family. They've been thrown into a situation. It had that um, Arrested Development kind of vibe. If, if you're familiar with that show, but the writing was really what just came through, and, and the acting. Everyone was so committed. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm so glad you mentioned that show because that really is. I think top sitcom type show in the last couple of years really good yeah. i mean it won all the awards so do you have a favorite character? Uh, i think do you have a favorite you know i i think it has to be moira um i'm meeting because she's like always speaking in this way of uh, and the you know the the vocabulary is excitingly overwhelmingly <laughs> Dergishly, I don't know, I just made that one up. You know, it's just so funny <laughs> listening to her speak and the acting. Oh, how she didn't just fall on the floor laughing every episode. I don't know how. So, yeah, oh, that's Do you good. know with your impression, you could pretend she's on your podcast. You just interview yourself making that voice, that accent. We, we sometimes speak to each other in Moira's voice um, in the house. Um, <laughs> we're having dinner now. So, uh, well, we're, let, let's finish up with everyone out there. Can you tell them one line to have a satisfied life? You know, what could you tell them? I think, gosh, one line. I think just be true to yourself. I do. I think that, you know, brings peace of mind and hopefully the road to happiness. And we're all unique and we're all a one-off. And I think let's celebrate that. And I think with that mm. will come happiness. I hope. I think it's all practice and, you know, but I, yeah. I Celebrate the self. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Be true to yourselves. Well, you, you definitely are waving that flag and you are, you know, inspiration for people that really want to believe in their artwork and, and, and moving it into, into more commercial enterprise as well. That's, that's, I mean, that's what, what you need to do. You need to pay the bills and you need to express yourself. Yeah. So it's really, that's why I asked you to the show because you've, you've, you've inspired me with your work and your character, you know. So thank you for coming on the show. And thank you very much. It's, uh, I'll keep following and, and your links will be there available for people to, to see and celebrate your work. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. See ya. <laughs> now, speaking with Kara really brings out the creative in me. I found the natural way in which she uses her successful career as a photographer to pivot into a new medium to be quite inspiring. It sounds obvious, but clearly it's hard to do, as we as artists or other types of professionals can often feel that we need to stay in our field and not test the water too much. But with the honest feedback of those in the know, things can immediately take a new direction. And what a great lesson that is. We stay in the artistic world a little bit with a chat with a former classical singer who has made a significant career shift. Her story is one of thinking outside the box. She discovered that she could make a really impactful contribution to the world of performing in a different way and with fruitful results as a performance coach. Remember to follow us on our socials, all available on our link tree at Nine Year Gap and the podcast page on robertbarbaro.com. I'm Robert Barbaro. Look after yourselves and let's keep the conversation going. Bye-bye. Thank you.